0: Well, good morning. Welcome to Springbrook. We're so glad that you are with us today. Uh, if you are a first or second time guest with us this morning, we want to extend a special welcome to you. You should have received a program on the way in this morning and uh, you can take that out with me. There's a welcome slip that's attached to the right side and uh, there's a place to indicate if this is your first or second time uh, visit with us this morning. You can share with us as much information as you feel comfortable sharing. Uh, there's a prayer request uh, section down at the bottom. You can share a prayer requests that you might have for us. Uh, if you're a first or second time guest, you can bring that by the guest services uh, desk out in the lobby this morning. We have a special gift for you for being with us this morning. And if you're a regular attender at Springbrook, if you could just put your first and last name on there, uh, the names of any adults that are with you, that would be fantastic. Um, we're going to be collecting those just a little bit later towards the end of the service. Uh, if you have any questions uh, while you're here, uh, if you have any questions about anything that we uh, look at, Um, There's a place for you down at the bottom. You can write any questions or comments that you have as well. But we're grateful that you're with us as we move through this series on prayer and fasting. I have been so encouraged um, by the response uh, from many of you as we've started into this um, series. We're looking forward to what God is going to do in and through us, not just individually but together as the body of Christ as we move through this new ministry um, season. We're in a prayer and fasting series today. We're going to be looking at an example that we can follow. Uh, We're going to be looking at an example that is given to us from the Antioch Church. We're going to be looking at uh, four principles that we can uh, glean uh, from them. Uh, But I know that many of you uh, this past week have taken an opportunity to take advantage of our website. Uh, We have a lot of resources for you on prayer and fasting. Uh, You can go to springbrook.org slash fasting, or if you've downloaded our app already, Uh, There's a place for you to uh, get those resources um, there as well. Um, I know that many of you have joined our uh, Facebook Springbrook family uh, group uh, where there's some dialogue going on about just encouraging stories and some things for us to share as we go through this um, series together. So be sure to take advantage of those resources as we move um, through this series. It was encouraging last week how many of you shared uh, a breakthrough prayer request. We've had over 100 people make commitments um, to our prayer and fasting uh, series over the next 21 days. And then almost, over 250 of you shared breakthrough prayers um, last weekend, over this past week that were up on the wall um, over there to your right. And I can tell you it was such an encouragement um, for me last week to be able to go through those. I don't know if you noticed, um, but they're all in a nice order right now. And they're all nice and straight. So I went through uh, last week and I picked up every one of those and read them and, and reposted them back. And um, I just want to thank you for taking the time to share uh, your heart and what you're praying for uh, in this area of breakthrough. I know that it was uh, our staff got together last week, and we had an opportunity to go through those. Those are going to be up there for our series, our prayer team, our elder board. Um, we'll be taking opportunities to pray through those as well. But it was interesting because last week, as I was reading down through some of those, um, some of the prayer requests and areas of breakthrough. Um, were just uh, it was uh, sensitive. I don't know if it's uh, heart wrenching. I could just share that people were sharing from their hearts, and um, and some of the prayer requests were just heartfelt. Some of them were just encouraging. And as I was reading down through those prayer requests, I had a passage that came to mind for me from Exodus chapter three. It's so when Moses was keeping watch of the flock for his father Jethro. In chapter three, he was the priest of uh, Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame with fire coming out of it in the midst of a bush. And uh, the Spirit of God said, Moses, called out to Moses, and Moses said, here am I. And he said, don't come near. Take off your sandals uh, off your feet, uh, for the place that you are standing is holy ground. As I was standing reading through those prayer requests, looking at some of the things where people are praying for breakthrough and uh, just celebrating what God's doing in their life, there was a sense of, hey, this is holy ground. And it was such an encouragement to be able to read through those. And I just want to encourage you today, um, if you did not have an opportunity last week, if you were not here with us, um, we're going to go through that same exercise again today. And so you have two post-it notes on the inside of your program. And if you are praying for an area of breakthrough in your life, as we continue to move into this new year, uh, which, by the way, first month is almost over, right? June July is just flying, isn't it? So we're still heading into a new year. We're in a new ministry season. And so I just want to encourage you, if you've got an area of breakthrough that you're praying for as we move through this prayer and fasting series, um, you can write that down on one of the yellow post-it notes that you have on the inside of your program. And then maybe God is answering a prayer already. Maybe you started this uh, last week or two weeks ago, and you're already seeing God answer prayer, you're already seeing breakthrough, um, we want to celebrate that with you. And so there's a blue uh, post-it note on the inside of your program, and you can write down any answers to prayer or something that you want to praise God for. And so we're going to give you some opportunities at the end of the service to be able to write those out and then uh, post those on the wall. Uh, but today we're looking at fasting as an example to follow. And uh, we're going to be looking closely at the Antioch Church and just trying to talk through principles that we can apply to ourselves. We want to be like the Antioch Church. We're going to look at that in just a uh, few moments. But I would like to ask you just really quick, when you think about your own spiritual walk and about your own journey, where you are uh, with Christ or as you question um, some of the realities of Christianity, uh, we all have people in our lives that have influenced us, people that we want to be like, maybe somebody we don't want to be like. Uh, but maybe people that we want to be like. You know, who are some role models that you've had in your life as you've thought about your spiritual walk? You know, who do you want to be like? You know, I was growing up as a kid, I wanted to be like my dad. My dad was a pretty cool guy. My mom dressed us alike. You know, you know we were joined at the hip. And so I always wanted to be like my dad. Uh, everything he did, I did. He got me a little plastic shaver, taught me to shave. And... Uh, Copied his handwriting. I knew I could do his signature. I wanted to be just like him. and So I had his signature down, which came in kind of handy as I got a little bit older. <laughs> sure, we can do that. <laughs> just kidding. I used it in a good way. <laughs> yeah, but he and I have been really close growing up. But he was somebody that I always looked up to. We went to the Indianapolis 500 last, last, uh, last year. We had an opportunity to celebrate who we are in Christ together now. I grew up in a family that did not know Christ. Um, we went to church, and uh, you know, I thought being a Christian was about being a good person going to church. And so somewhere along the line, God brought some men into my life. <clears throat> I made a faith commitment, and uh, my wife was a Christ follower, and now my whole extended family is a Christ followers. And so it was really good to be able to get together with my dad and to celebrate who we are in, in Christ. I and mean, every one of us usually has somebody that we, we think of that we want to be like, and that's okay. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, you know, whether you're eating or drinking, whatever you do, do for the glory of God. He says, that I write these things, I do what I do, you know, not for my own advantage, but that many other people might be saved. And so Paul is writing them to encourage them to model his lifestyle from the perspective of everything that he does is for the purpose of pointing other people to Christ. As you move into chapter 11, he says this in verse 1, be imitators of me. Not just be imitators of me because, hey, I'm all that, or I'm a good person, or I'm wise. He says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. In other words, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You know, we are all on a journey towards Christ-likeness And so to the extent that we can encourage one another on our spiritual journeys, that's a good thing to do. Be imitators of Paul as I am of Christ. And so our goal is to become more Christ-like. My goal from a ministry perspective is to help other people find and know and explore the fullness of who they are in Christ. Even in my preaching, it's something I have to work really hard about because it is not about being a personality. It's not being attractive. It's not being, you know, a good speaker. My goal when I'm doing a sermon is to help people see God through his word. It's almost as if I see Jesus standing behind me. So my goal is not to have you listen to me, but have you listen and discern and know who Jesus is and what he has for you. That's what the preaching and teaching of God's word is all about, is to help others to understand the fullness of who they are in Christ my goal is to help each of us to grow and grow in our faith so that we can become Christ-like. And so that's a goal that we have as a church as well. We want other people to know who Jesus is, to know the fullness of who they are in Christ. And there's some good churches out there. And so when you think of churches, you know, what do you think of when you think of, hey, this is a good church? Or when you compare churches, you know, what, what's a church that we could aspire to be like? Because we want to be imitators of good churches, and I tell you, we, from, we live in a time there's a lot of choices, and so people are, can constantly compare churches. There's a lot of good churches in our area, and so when you look for a church, what are you looking for in a good church? You know, we've all got ideas of what we are looking for. I know I've got some ideas of what I hope Springbrook is. You know, we want Springbrook to be effective at reaching our community for Christ and growing passionate disciples. And so what is the model for a good church? That's what we're going to look at this morning. The church in Antioch is a model for us of what it means to be a healthy, vibrant, growing, biblical church. We're going to be looking at the church up in Antioch. It's one of the most important churches in the book of Acts. It's growing. It's vibrant. It's making an impact in its community and in the world. The church of Antioch is a church that we definitely would want to model. The church in Antioch, for the most perspective, is really the second church. We have the first church that gets born in Jerusalem. After Jesus uh, is crucified, uh, he dies, he's buried, he ascends into heaven. 120 believers get together to pray and to seek what God would have for them next. They move into ministry, and uh, Peter stands up in the beginning of Acts chapter 2, Uh, preaches and tells everybody the good news about Christ. It says 3,000 people placed their faith in Christ that day and got baptized. And so the church begins in Jerusalem. It starts to explode. It starts to grow. And the church in Jerusalem is primarily a Jewish church. You know, all those early Christians were Jews that were waiting for a Messiah. And the early Christians were those that understood that Jesus is the coming Messiah. And so we have the early church in Jerusalem is primarily uh, a Jewish church. And so God is doing amazing things. And the first time we hear about the church, the first time we actually hear about Antioch at all is in Acts chapter 6. There's a man named uh, Nicholas, and uh, he, is a, he is an Antioch proselytite. In other words, he came down from Antioch to the church in Jerusalem, and he became a Christ follower at that church. And so the first mention we see of Antioch is when uh, Nicholas comes down, he becomes a Christ follower, uh, so he's a part of that church in Jerusalem. And then in Acts chapter 7, uh, we see the persecution starts to come against the church. The church is thriving. It begins to face persecution. Uh, We see the apostle Paul, and we're going to talk about him in a little bit, Uh, before he was a Christ follower, was persecuting Christians. He was a Jewish leader persecuting Christians. Uh, We'd see Stephen would be stoned to death. Uh, in Acts chapter 6, as we move into 7, you see church persecution. And the church starts to spread a little bit. And what happens is they, they they are trying to get away from this persecution, and so they start to flee Jerusalem. And there are some Greek-speaking Jewish believers, and they travel up to Antioch. They speak Greek, and so they travel up to Antioch, uh, which is the modern-day uh, area of Turkey, and they begin to share Christ with the Jews that live up in Antioch. And then as you move towards uh, Acts chapter 11, um, between uh, uh, Cyprus and Cyrene, we see some believers there, which is the modern area of Libya. They go to Antioch, and they start to preach and teach and share Christ with the non-Jews or the Greeks or the Gentiles. And so we have Antioch. It's about 300 uh, miles north of Jerusalem. And so that path It's quite a few days' journey and walking, but we start to see the spread of the church as it moves north and moves out, trying to get away from the persecution. And what you find when you're reading through the book of Acts in the first 12 chapters, you really see it's about the ministry of Peter and the Jewish believers and what God's doing through the church in Jerusalem and in Judea. It's not until you get to Acts chapter 13 that you start to see the ministry of the apostle Paul. You start to see ministry that starts to work more geared towards reaching the non-Jews or the Greeks. And so you can almost split the book of Acts up. Chapters 1 through 12 is the formation of the Jewish church, Jerusalem and Judea. And then as you move through verse uh, chapter, six, uh, chapter 13 through 28, it's really about the birth of the church uh, for the non-Jews or for the, for the Greeks. I tell you, I'm really uh, the book of Acts is so exciting. As I've been looking through Acts chapter 13, I can't tell you how hard it was to stop in verses one through four. It's an exciting book, and it's really neat about the way the Holy Spirit works through the body of Christ. In fact, this fall, in August, we're going to be kicking off a sermon alignment with our small groups, and we're going to be looking at the book of Acts. Uh, for 8 to 10 weeks, and we're going to be looking at the way the Holy Spirit works through the life of the early church, through the book of Acts, all the way through to the end. And so I'm really excited about that series, so you'll be hearing more about that as we move through uh, uh, to the summer. Uh, But the book of Acts is an exciting church, and there's so many things that we can glean from it, uh, both as believers and as the church. But it's it's in Acts chapter 13 that the church begins to move into becoming what it was really designed to be, which is a church of one body, Jews and Gentiles, um, together accomplishing what God has for us. The church in Antioch is the first church that would pattern itself out fully after the passage in Acts 1.8, which says you're going to re- receive power, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you, and you're going to be witnesses, what, in Jerusalem and Judea? And that's all? No. Samaria? That's all? No. All the way to the very ends of the earth. And that Jewish church in Jerusalem had kind of gotten stuck there And the persecution the Holy Spirit used to push it out to Samaria to the very ends of the earth. And we see in Acts chapter 13 that the Antioch church is one of the first churches to move in to to be obedient to this pattern of what God has actually called us to be uh, and reaches the world um, for Christ. You know, sometimes people ask me that, you know, uh, a little bit about Springbrook. What's Springbrook all about? You know, what is, how does this church differ from, you know, maybe the church down the street? You know, people are comparing churches, and that's not uncommon. We have a lot of churches in this area. So, one of the questions is well, why are some churches growing and some churches are not growing? Why are some churches thriving and why are some churches not thriving? You know, some churches are just maintaining, some churches are just dying, and then some churches are growing. And why is that? I really believe that churches that thrive, that are growing, that are having an impact, are churches like the one that you find. In Antioch, the Antioch church was the one that was the most effective at reaching its community for Christ and being obedient to witnessing to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the very ends of the earth. They were the ones that were the most successful at having an impact for Christ. Why is that? We're going to look at four examples this morning that we can glean from to help us to be the church that God called us to be using Antioch as an example. And the Antioch Church is a church that we definitely want to be like. They are dedicated to sharing Christ with others. They are generous, giving to those that are in need. They are welcoming. They are a diverse community in race, in age. There's neither Greek nor Jew. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. They are one in who they are in Christ. And they are having an impact on the world. They are missions focused. They are outward thinking And they are committed to the word, and to the preaching and teaching of scripture. They are a great example for us to follow today. And so we are looking forward to what God's going to do in and through us as we move into this new year. We're looking forward to uh, what God has for us as we move through this prayer and fasting series. This morning we will look closely at chapter 13 at four specific examples that we're going to find in the first five verses Let's look at those more closely. If you brought your Bible with you, you can turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 13. Just go to the middle, start moving to the right. Um, if you are using uh, an electronic device, you can go to uh, download the YouVersion Bible app. We have our outline of our time together where you can take notes and follow along with the passages there as well. And if you need a Bible, we've got some at the Ministry Center counter as well. Um, but just listen with me as we read through the first five verses of Acts, chapter 13. Now, there were in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and there were teachers. There was Barnabas. There was Simeon, who was called Niger. There was Lucius of Cyrene. There was Manian, a long, lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch. And there was Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. And then after praying and fasting, they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. And from there, they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues and to the Jews. And they had John to assist them there. And so I want to stop there for a moment. Because there's four examples that I think are really important for us today to apply to our church today so that we can be like the church that we find in Antioch. Four examples we want to look at. And the first example is this, and we see it right from the first passage. They were unified together. There was unity in their body of Christ. Despite their diversity, despite the differences of their background, they were unified together. And they were committed to working together as the body of Christ. And I want to tell you something right now. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. It's important that we be unified together in the purpose that God has called us to, namely reaching our community for Christ and building passionate followers. Unity in the body of Christ will strengthen it or it will undermine it. And one of the first examples we find from this church is that they were unified in spite of their diversity. In uh, verse 1, it says this, there were, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and there were teachers. There was Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manion, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. So just in this group, we just get a small glimpse of the diversity that was in this church. The prophets and the teachers it was those people that were able to explain the prophecies of the Old Testament, how Jesus fulfilled them. Most likely, they were the seniors. They were the older Jews who understood fully the Old Testament, who were able to teach it to others. You know, if you were a rabbi in the Old Testament, you had memorized the Old Testament. Most Jewish boys would learn to grow up memorizing the Torah, the first five books. But if you were a rabbi and you were a teacher, you had almost all of the Old Testament memorized, and you understood it, and you were able to explain it. And so you had senior adults that understood how to read and to teach God's word. And so you have prophets and you have teachers. And then you have Barnabas. Barnabas was a Levite from Cyprus who was sent to Jerusalem to check out the news about Christianity. And uh, after he heard about Jesus, he ended up making a faith commitment. So he was newer in his faith. And uh, he ended up making a faith commitment. And after he became a Christ follower, he sold all his land, and he brought the money back in. He gave it to the disciples to support the work of ministry. And so you have seasoned, seasoned believers. You have new believers. And then you have uh, Simeon. He was also called Niger. There's no mention of him anywhere else in the Bible. Uh, but by his first name, uh, he appears to be a Jew. Uh, but he was also called Niger by the Romans, uh, very likely because he had black skin color. And so you get right here in the first church, you have diversity, you've got, you've got different races. You've got different ages. You know, you see uh, Lucius of Cyrene. Uh, we don't know a lot about him. Uh, he's believed to be uh, one of the men uh, from the synagogue of the Cyrenians uh, who sacrificed and uh, who persecuted um, Christians, uh, causing them to scatter before he became a Christ follower. Um, some believe that he's the same Lucius that's mentioned in Romans 16. Some think he's the same guy uh, that was traveling with Luke. Uh, when he was writing uh, the book of Luke and some of the book of Acts. And so you have, you, have, you have him in the mix. And then you see uh, Mannion. Mannion's believed to be the son of King Herod's nurse. Uh, Mannion was brought up with Herod the te- Tetrarch, um, which was thought to be the son of Herod the Great. He's the one that beheaded John the Baptist. And so in the mix of this group, you have seasoned Jews, you have new believers, you have those that were persecuting Christians before they became Christ followers. Then you see Paul, who was Saul. Uh, Paul was persecuting Christians before he became a Christ follower. So just in this first verse, you get a little bit of a taste of the diversity that was in this church. And each one of them, instead of vying for their own position or their own you know, way of thinking, were working together to accomplish what God would have for them. They were unified in their purpose. You know, we are here together right now all of us, because of the person and the work of Jesus Christ. This church exists to reach others for Christ and to build passionate followers. That's what we're about. That's why we exist, and that vision is what unifies us together as the body of Christ. Everything else can be secondary to that. You know, if you're new to Springbrook, uh, maybe you've been around for a while and you're still trying to find a way to get connected and trying to figure out you know, where you fit. I want to encourage you next Sunday, we're kicking off a two-week starting point class. It's an opportunity for us to hear about our vision and our mission and our values. It's an opportunity for you to ask questions. It's an opportunity for us to help you um, to get connected. If you're interested in that, I'd love to have you in that class. Pastor Matt's going to be teaching next week. And then Pastor Tim will be teaching uh, the following week to close out our series in Acts before we kick off a new series on Ezekiel, which is going to be exciting as we look about the work of the Holy Spirit. But I want to encourage you to make Springbrook Church your home. We want to be unified together. And nothing says that more than commitment. And so if you've been at Springbrook for a while and you're not yet a member, as we enter into this new season of ministry, now is the time to step in and say, I want to be a part of what God's doing as we step forward together. Because that unity is what's going to strengthen us and enable us to be effective at going before uh, what God's plans for us as we think about reaching our community for Christ and building passionate followers. And so the Antioch church was united together. The second example we find from them is in Acts uh, 13, verse 2. They were available for God. They had made themselves available for God to use. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2, it says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them to do. Of all the activities, now keep in mind this is a newer church. It's an explosive church. There's a lot going on there. You know, what are some of the things that they could be doing? You know, when you think about the business of the church, what are some of the things that the church could be doing? There's a lot of things that the church could be doing, some of them good. Some of them can be a distraction from who we've been called to, right? There's a lot of things that we could be doing, but what should we be doing? You know, this series is about putting ourselves in a position to hear from God and to pray and fast and to seek what God would have for us together. We want to be available like the Antioch Church was to be available for what God has for us. And so, instead of this activity, instead of working on social media, instead of updating my Instagram, instead of you know having my you know going back for seconds and enjoying my beef barbecue, you know we're inviting people to this prayer and fasting series to to stop doing what you typically might be doing. Maybe something that's a routine, or maybe something that's a distraction. And we're encouraging people to stop doing those things and instead. Worship and focus on God through prayer and fasting, which is what they were doing. They were worshiping the Lord and fasting of all the things that they could have been doing. They were worshiping and fasting and in a position to hear for what God would have for them. And the Holy Spirit said. They had put themselves in a position to be available and to listen. And that's what this series is all about, about putting ourselves not just individually in a position to hear from God, but what does God have for us Together, As we move through into this new year and in this new ministry season, it's so important that we be united and available um, together into what God has for us. And that is the third example that we get from the church in Antioch, is that they were obedient to their calling. God said to them, they were in a position to hear, God said to them, set apart for me Barnabas and Paul. And it says in verse 3 after fasting and praying, they did what? They laid their hands on them and they sent them. They were obedient to the calling that God had given them. And you can't underestimate the importance that Barnabas and Paul had to that ministry. Those were the two best guys. I mean, those were the guys that. God had laid a foundation in, they had worked mightily in through them, and God says, I want you to send your two best guys away from your church to to a new calling to start new churches. And if you think about the calling for that, you know, my first thought would have been, well, how about if we keep the best guys here and we send somebody else? We don't want to give up our best, do we? I mean, what's going to happen to us? I mean, don't you know what we're responsible for here? We don't want to give away our best people. But that's exactly what God called them to do. I want you to give your best people and send them out. And they were obedient, and they prayed, and they fasted, they laid hands on them, and they sent them off. You know, we have uh, over 20 small groups at Springbrook. And, you know, it's a, it's a privilege to get to lead a, s- a small group. I, I love our small group, and I love I love the importance of small groups. But it's funny because the 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 first time you ask somebody about leaving a small group to go start another group, this is kind of what happens. It's like, well, oh, wait a second, I don't want to do that. You know, we want to keep our leader here. I don't want to send somebody off. I mean, we're enjoying who we are together. It's an obedience issue when we send somebody off to the calling that God has given them. We need to fast and we need to be praying. We need to fast and pray for our small groups, that God would raise up more small group leaders so that we can be effective at helping people get connected into relationships here at this, at this church. We need more small groups. We need more small group leaders. And so if you're serving on a ministry team and you think, man, I can't afford to leave this team right now because this team needs me. You know, when you step out in obedience to what God has for you, you're going to find blessing in that if you're doing it out of obedience. And God will raise up a new leader and we'll see new leaders in other areas of ministry. And so we need to be obedient to what God has called us to do. You know, it's an obedience issue. When, when we talk about you know, getting baptized. We talk about becoming a member or getting involved in a small group or getting to know your, your spiritual gifts. We talk about taking steps forward. Those are steps of obedience. Baptism is the first step of obedience. I became a Christ follower. Now what do I do? Oh, I'm supposed to get baptized. It's not a suggestion. Go make disciples, baptize them. It's a command. And when you get baptized, you're, that's your first act of obedience, of stepping out and saying, hey, I'm a Christ follower. It's an opportunity for me to publicly confess my faith in Christ. Baptism is a step of obedience. As you think about your spiritual walk and what God's calling you to do, is it, is it uncomfortable? It bet it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. God grows us and stretches us, and the spiritual journey that we're on together is one of constantly being stretched and growing and stretched and growing as we become more Christ-like, and we need to encourage one another in that. That's one of the things that we see in the church of Antioch, is that they are obedient to the calling that God has given them, and they send out their best guys. And so we know that they're unified. Uh, we know that they're being obedient. We know that uh, they're unified together. And then we know that they're obedient to the calling that God has for them. And the fourth example that we learned from the Antioch church in verse 4 was is that they are obedient at sharing Christ with others. You know, that church existed to share Christ with other people. And that's why we exist. We want to point people to Christ. We want to get—it's a little bumper sticker. I love it. It's kind of a Christmas cliche. We want—it's Christ and Christmas, right? We just need to get Christ put back in Christianity. For your Christmas, we need Christ and Christianity. The foundation of our faith is rooted in who we are in Christ, I was lost, now I have been found. I am no longer a slave to fear. I, I am a child of God. We are rooted in who we are in Christ, and that good news is what others around us need. There's 150,000 people in our community. They're not all going to fit at Springbrook. They're not going to fit at Willow. They're not going to fit in all of our churches. There's more people in this community than we, can, than we can possibly fit into this building. We need more churches. We need more churches that are taking seriously the command to make disciples and reach your communities for Christ. And that's why we exist. We, we exist to share Christ with other people. We found, we found the great news. We want to share that with others. That's an example that we see um, rooted in the identity of that Antioch church. In verse 4, it said this. After being sent out by the Holy Spirit, what did they do? They went down to uh, Seleucia, uh, uh, Seleucia, and from there they sailed on to Cyprus. When they arrived at uh, Salamis, they did what? They proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They told other people about Christ. You know, that was their focus. That's what they went down to do. And they did it not in their own power and in their own strength, but by the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 says you're going to receive power. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and then you will be a witness. And I think one of the reasons why it can be difficult for us to share our faith or to talk about who we are in Christ is because we haven't tapped into the fullness of the power that is available to us through the Holy Spirit. We need to be dependent on the Spirit of God to guide our conversations, to put us in positions where we can share what God has done in our life with other people. And we're not talking about being an evangelist. Some people have the gift of evangelism. They, will, they can sit down, they can have a conversation with anybody at any different level. They can walk them through the Scriptures and lead them through making a faith decision. That's, that's the gift of evangelism, I and mean, not everybody has that. But we are all called as Christ followers to be witnesses, and we are all dependent on the Holy Spirit for that activity. We can't do that in our own strength. My dad and I were, we used to race boats uh, when I was growing up. I loved boat racing with my dad. Here's a picture of our boat. And uh, I was the mechanic, and uh, he was the driver. And uh, I absolutely had so much fun uh, racing with him. But I can remember we were at a race, and uh, we were getting ready to uh, go put in and, uh, the water. And uh, I was trying to start the boat. And um, and it uh, wouldn't start. So my dad was in the driver's seat, and he was like, "What's going on back there?" I was like, "Ah, oh, I'm working on it." And so I was checking the spark plug wires. I'm trying to them checking all the connections. I mean, this thing would not start. And so we're sort of like 15 minutes. We're trying to start the we're trying to start the boat. And my, so my dad starts getting anxious because he's like, "Hey, you need to push me off. I need to get going here." And I was like, "I can't figure it out." And so I mean, just at the last minute, I thought, "Oh," I went back and I popped open the tank. I looked at it. The, there was no gas. I had run out of gas. <laughs> I think that's how many people go through their Christian life. They're trying to figure it out. It's not working. I don't know what to do. And and we just need to check the gas tank. You know, the Holy Spirit is where we find our fuel for what God's called us to be. And that boat's not going to go anywhere without gas. And we're not going to be able to share our faith effectively without the Holy Spirit. We are dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit working in us to be an example to others, to be a witness to others about the work that Christ has done in our life. And that's an example that we find uh, from this church uh, in Antioch. They are taking seriously the command to be obedient to the calling that God's given them and to be uh, obedient to sharing Christ with others. When we stepped out in this series uh, two weeks ago, I, I have really been praying that God would strengthen our body of Christ, that would be effective at uh, being a witness in our community. I've been praying for people that would make faith commitments to the work that God's doing in and through the lives of people at Springbrook. And um, I had no sooner made that prayer than I saw a Facebook post from a friend of mine uh, last week. This is Brett Filer, and Brett is an evangelist. And so Brett is, uh, he's not just witnessing. We're asking people to witness. Uh, Just just share, you know, has has God done anything in your life? If he's done anything in your life, share that with somebody else. Be a witness. Uh, But Brett, he is an evangelist. And so he shares the gift of evangelism with me. So I think, you know, he and I uh, uh, together, we have a lot of fun. Um, But Brett was, uh, he's a truck driver. And so he was on a job and uh, he tells a story like this. He was sitting at a chemical plant making a delivery. Uh, He was sitting in a rundown shack with another driver. And they're just sitting there talking when the topic of Jesus comes up. And so it doesn't take much to enter into a conversation. He just, hey, what do you believe about God? Do you go to church anywhere? It doesn't take much to get a conversation going. Uh, but So Brett moves into this conversation about Jesus, and uh, he goes on to tell the story. He says, after talking to him for a little while, he tells him the good news about Christ. He tells him about Jesus. The guy says, you know, what do I need to do? And he says, well, make a faith commitment. So the guy prayed, and he made a faith commitment. Brett's like, hey, this is great. And he was like, ah. <laughs> and it was really, it was really, it was a cool story. not from the perspective about brett but if you know brett's story you know what god's done in his life and, and you've seen the work that christ has done in his life that's all any of us have to share it's not about me or about brett or about you it's really about god you know what has christ done in our life that other people would even want to be a part of who we are called to be together Sometimes, who, sometimes some of the things that we do actually can push people away. And so we need to step back and ask ourselves, what is it that motivates me to do what I do? We're here today because of the work and the person of Jesus Christ. That's why we're together. That's why we celebrate as a church. And that's what we look forward to as we continue to move through this new year and into this new ministry season. Four important principles that we can glean from the Antioch Church. We need to be unified in who we are together. We need to be available for God to use. We need to be obedient to the calling that he's given us, and we need to be sharing Christ with others. That's what we're about in Springbrook, and it's a model from the Antioch Church that I'm praying would be reflected in our local body of Christ. Well, I mentioned to you uh, those two post-it notes on the inside of your program, and if you didn't have an opportunity um, last week or if you have another prayer request, um, there's a yellow insert, a little uh, yellow post-it. I want to encourage you to take some time to, uh, to write out something that you're praying for, maybe an area of breakthrough in your life. What are you praying for? Uh, what are you seeking God for as we move into this new year together, as we new, move into this new ministry season together? You know, what are you anticipating God to do in your life? You know, so you can write that down on that yellow Post-it note. And uh, then there's also a blue Post-it note on the inside of your uh, program, so you can write on that as well. You know, where are you seeing God at work? What are you celebrating? Are you celebrating anything? You know, is God at work? Um, Has he already answered prayer? Maybe something you've been praying for in this last week, God's already started to work in. So you can write that uh, out on that blue post-it note. I'm going to invite Bethany to come out, and uh, she's going to play some instrumental music for us. And we're going to give you a few moments um, to write those things out, and then you can just make your way over uh, to that wall on your right, and you can post it up on the wall. Um, But I just want to encourage you, and if you run out of time or you're not comfortable going over to the wall, during the service, then after the service, before you leave today, um, you can just make your way over and post it up on the wall. But take these next few moments um, just to quietly, uh, just quiet your heart and ask God uh, if there's an area of breakthrough that you're praying for in your life or maybe something you're praising him for, and then we're going to come back together in just a few moments and we'll pray together. But take the few moments to reflect and to post and we'll come back together. pray with me. Father, I just want to thank you for this day you've given us today. I thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. I thank you for your call in our life. Um, God, that we can not just be loved by you as the world is loved, but we can be called uh, your children. Uh, God, I thank you for the personal relationship uh, that we can have with you through your son. And I just thank you for our time together this morning. Uh, God, we are trusting you um, with our lives, um, with our ministry, uh, God, we look forward to all that you have for us as we continue to move into this new year and into this new ministry season. And, and God, I just thank you for um, just the encouragement of the and the example of the Antioch Church. God, that we can turn to your word uh, to find um, security and stability and clarity and wisdom for all that we're uh, to be able to be doing as a body of Christ. God, we know that wisdom begins with a healthy fear of you. I pray that you would continue to write to us close to yourself as we seek all that you have for us uh, individually and together as the body of Christ. And God, we just lift this day up to you and pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.